Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of China. Thank you so much for all your downloads and for tolerating my various threads and spamming your communities, and for all the feedback so far. It's been really, really helpful. And、uh, what feedback are you talking about? <laughs> oh, shut up! It's the one inside my head, my imaginary friends. I mean, it's the internet, so it's like a. You receive a couple pieces of feedback that that translates to thousands of people. Just like how you go on like、uh, random Reddit threads and you just see three comments, but you know it's been uploaded ten thousand times. That's how I see it. I just get one that's one thousand comments. I was gonna say there's been some upvotes on Reddit. I'm sure. <laughs> you say it with such a pitying voice, but anyways, we have a very very、uh, I guess. Involved discussion topic today. This is something that I know probably affects the majority of、uh, Indian Americans, Asian Americans, immigrants, native. It affects、country. everyone. Yeah, it affects everybody, academics and career. And、uh, this has been a huge source of a lot of my own personal life growing up.、Uh, I'm sure we're going to get that into it shortly. But first,、uh, here's Hanek again. How have you been, man? Good.、Uh, it's been a, it's been an interesting week. Let's say that. But it's been busy. It's going to be even busier next week, and this weekend is jam packed. So、oh、I'm sure I'm sure I'll touch and dive into things like that throughout. <laughs> we'll send you all the strongest filter coffee available. <laughs> I'm learning how to make that by myself. I mean, I I tried doing the pouring technique, and then、uh, it spilled everywhere. But I was going to say, I love the fact that this is a podcast called Chinoon, and the thing you suggest is filter coffee. Well, I, I think I mentioned that in the first episode. I never had authentic Indian chai from India、yeah. before. I've had it in American restaurants, but when I was in London, I never got actual chai. I've never gone to like, you know, India and had chai because it's just coffee where I'm from. That's、oh, coffee, but it is just coffee. Missing out, man. Missing out. All right. So, anyways, academics and career. So, <laughs> I know this is a, a bit of a. Difficult subject to talk about, but we'll just get right into it. So, you can't talk about academics and or your career without just talking about your parents. And this could just easily extend to five hundred more episodes, but we'll try to keep at least this part of it short. But it's the recurring theme. Yeah, it's like academics, career, parents, and not even so much career with me. Like once I went to、uh, college, they didn't really care as much. But until I got to college, that was like. Number one, you are not a human being unless you get into a really good school or something like that. That's how I sort of felt like, and of course I'll go more into detail as the podcast goes on. But I'm guessing you probably had a similar experience. No, actually, no. Was, my parents gave up on me at a very young age. However, like there's hope for all of us. I mean, I've got two masters now. I'm like plain sailing and being overqualified in life. <laughs> yeah, I only got the single bachelor's. <laughs> you, you have honors at least, right? No. No. Like three point six. I think I had three point five. <laughs> so I was point one short. Don't bring. Okay. <laughs> I don't actually know what that means because, like, in the UK, we have a different system. But、oh, I know I have my honors. It's like A levels, right? Or those are just the types of exams.、Okay. A levels is your precursor to、uh, university. Oh okay, all right. Well, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> so that's interesting because、uh, I didn't know that as much. I mean, I think you briefly mentioned that, but we've had actually very differing academic sort of backgrounds. So why do you think your parents gave up on you? Like, I know you meant that sort of as a joke, but maybe like, why do you think there was not as much focus placed on that? 
Well, I was going to say that at all the way up until I was 15. So prior to coming to the UK, I was always in the bottom set for everything apart from maths. And Oh, the stereotype. Yeah, well, I mean, what's the point of being brown if you can't do maths, right? But <laughs> it, it was just like, I was not interested in anything. Like, I would, if someone would ask me to write a paragraph, I'd look at them and like, I don't want to even write the sentence. For me, my childhood was get outside, play sports, do something stupid, you know, play video games. I'd like do my work quickly as possible in class so I could sit down and play chess with someone because I thought it was a waste of time. And I, I want to admit that most of my pre GCSE, so I guess that's the equivalent of your SATs. Mm-hmm. was completely waste of time apart from maths and English. Totally yeah. irrelevant. Yeah, I, I know. I will never need to know anything about Roman history in life, even though that's a personal interest of mine. It will not help me <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> you but never know. They might just come back one day, just coming back from the or from the past, I guess. I don't know. From well, the book that we are invention. Anyways, that's... I was, was going to say, I, I work with enough Italians at the moment to know that's not going to happen anytime soon. But... No, um, I guess I grew up in South Africa. Well, I did the majority of my primary schooling in Southern Africa. Mm-hmm. And different system. Like We start the year normally January and end in December. And you know, that's just also my quip. But it's so weird to start school in September. But yeah, I know. I live sort of close to a college town, but just on the outskirts uh, right now. So... Uh, last week, everybody was zooming in, starting the first day of classes, and I was just sitting out here, almost in the suburbs. So uh, everybody in the city was just having a miserable experience, dealing with all these eighteen-year-olds having parties. And uh, I'm at that point where it's just like, ha, I can just sit back and relax while you guys are all just miserable in traffic. I become uh, that old bastard. Now. No, I mean, I guess well, my initial childhood dream was to be a Formula One driver. That ended very quickly, around <laughs> age ten. I realized you had to be in like karting from age six, and so I'd missed the four proper years of becoming a Formula One driver. Found out later that my parents didn't exactly tell the truth, but... <laughs> <laughs> and more just didn't like want to fund my go karting dreams. You know, shame on them. But... I know, seriously, I think you had potential. <laughs> Never okay, seen go kart in my life, but I just know you had potential. I'm a very safe driver. I, I'm sure I could speed up every now and again, but. It, then you know my dream was to do PPE, like so that's philosophy, politics, and economics. Mm-hmm. And I did. I knew Oxford was the place to go, but you know I, I was never considered, you know, good enough for like bottom set English. So I knew that was a long, far away place for me. But all my friends like around me at that age wanted to be a doctor or an architect or you know, something along those lines, like very. Stereotypical Asian. Is stereotypical? Yeah, yeah. South Africa, it's stereotypical. Oh, okay. I didn't. Or Asians. Like, you know, when I mean Asians, I mean South Asians. Yeah, I didn't know that that much. It's just like accounting, yeah. like along those lines, because you know, what an architecture, you know, it's a career, sort of like you know, you using like, practice. Mind. Yeah, it, it, it's high paying essentially. That's mm. what it is. And you know, I wanted to, and still to a degree, want to be a politician. And so I was very, you know, left of field in drawing myself and then, you know, moved to the British system in education. And then you realized you never want to be a politician again. No, no, no. No, (laughs) No, this was in the Middle East. So definitely wanted 
you know, my first foray into British education was in the Middle East in an international school. Yeah. And I was still bottom set for everything about maths. But, you know, clearly my teachers there thought I had a quick enough mind because I would talk back and have quips in class. I wasn't like a troublemaker student. I wasn't like a bad boy of class. But if someone said something, I'd quip back because I can't be asked to like listen to rubbish most of the time. <laughs> I'm just looking in a complete opposite mirror. I was like so quiet in class. But anyways, I'll get to that later. <laughs> and no, and then, you know, got into boarding school, got the scholarship. God knows how I got that. And, you know, then they made me do some aptitude tests and verbal reasonings. And I had to chat with the principal and the vice principal. And they said, yeah, you know what? Put him on like top set for everything. And, you know, ran with it. <laughs> And then suddenly, like, my parents, like, hopes and dreams of, like, just having me to behave, like, properly and not muck about, like, turned around. And then I went to a very posh school in the sense that we had a gifted and talented coordinator. Yeah. Oh. I mean, how many, how many schools have, like, have a coordinator for the gifted and talented? God, and then you... it's like magnet school. So I guess they're their own sort of special school. But even then, they're not. I mean, you have to pay a ridiculous amount of money. Like, it's very rare to get scholarships. And there's this big sort of a hubbub in New York City where it's still kind of segregated. But anyways, that's <laughs> a bit of a segue. No, and then, you know, he, it was Mr. Shah, and he's like, you should go for Oxbridge like, and just have a go at it. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, what's the harm being done? But, you know, I fitted, apparently fitted the mold of the student. I didn't get into Oxford. Let's just clarify that up. It's not the perfect happy ending story. But <laughs> I got... I, I I flunked my maths exam. That was the exam I failed in my A levels. <laughs> that is a sick I didn't story. flunk them. I, I just didn't get a good enough grade. Yeah. Well, the point remains if you don't get an A, then you failed. That's usually how it goes for most families once you get no. to the end point. Well, the, to be honest, that was essentially it. I got, I got a B in maths. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I knew it would be like, it's just like just below the very best. Oh, fuck. Oh, I'm going to get it when I get back. No, and then, yeah, and then I was like, okay, well, I didn't get into my second choice university either. So I went into clearing, called myself into Essex, and I made because I wasn't being offered a place for PP at other universities. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that was the dream: it was always to do politics, philosophy, and economics, not personal protection equipment. Just, just <laughs> clarify that again. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. You know, a lot of people. Like my old maths teacher always had me down as a wheeler and dealer because in class, you know, I would go to Dubai, I'd buy counterfeit goods. No, not counterfeit, genuine copies. That That's the correct wording. I should genuine, <laughs> genuine copies. Just having from a, like a dealer that got its goods straight from China piracy stations or something. I don't know. No, no, they fall off the back of the truck and had a change of logo, but <laughs> very convenient. And I would sell that at school. I'd like sell stuff at school and then, you know, I was told to stop doing that because I was bringing A, the law and B, school rules. And I'm going to put a real big damper on your politician team. Surely <laughs> that's like credits enough. I should be like thrown in a, straight <laughs> to the top. Clearly saw a gap in the market, found a loophole or thought a loophole and made some money, you know? God, there's like no trucks where I grew up. It was just the same shit. <laughs> just like uh, <laughs> No markets, just white houses. Lawn people, the suburban dream, her nightmare. Oh, this is the, this was the joy of heading back to the Middle East every every summer. And now I went 
back and then you know, I really enjoyed my time in Essex. I got my honours, just just to clarify that, just to rub Ooh. it in slightly. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I actually got so turned by, uh, you know, a couple of my professors there. I really thought that pursuing a PhD was in political science was where I wanted to be in, let's say, this present moment. And I'd go to the States and do it. And University of Chicago is like the dream for me to do it or Duke, one of the two. And then I decided actually to go to the States. It's a big deal. A, I'd just thrown a Donald Trump party in July because he won the nomination and won yeah. a lot of money because I bet it on it throughout the primaries. Yeah, that's the thing in the UK. You can do you can bet anything on anything in the UK. And then oh, yeah, there's a there's like a predictit.org. That's the that was a US website that was doing I think they still have odds for the Democratic presidential nomination, but yeah, you can bet on everything in the US, but only online and not in person. <laughs> no, but here's the thing. There is an like put it this way, you can bet on mm-hmm. what you think the currency will be in five months' time. Rather than like actually just going to a broke or whatever, you can just bet on it and then walk away and not care. Until you have to pay up. <laughs> uh, it is the most wide-ranging thing. I'm not going to go into the betting market. And basically, I bet a lot of money on Donald Trump, won enough to throw a party and pay for my alcohol for a year. And I thought, well, this guy actually might have a chance of winning it. And I wasn't too sure I wanted to dedicate the next five to eight years of my life to political science. And then I did my master, my first master's in political science with democracy and comparative politics. Went to UCL, hated it, absolutely hated it. Like I love political science, hated academic and or not academics academia in general yeah couldn't be asked to deal with all the nonsense bureaucracy all right i remember having far too much just far too many discussions with admin staff and professors about admin than rather topics and that really frustrated me i could not bear another like half an hour of talking about whether or not i should submit a paper of this way or the correct way to do my references because I quite frankly as long as you note where you got the source from in a clear point and then have a clear way of reading it that should be it there's this this like the writer within me coming out and then I thought sod it I'm going to go do a master's in law and open up a legal career and absolutely hated that even more than God. <laughs> that happened PPE for the rest of your life, and now you just hated the masters. Well, do you like your work so far, at least? Well, I was going to say, like, well, let's like finish the story, yeah. <laughs> and then so basically, I was open to a career in the law, and I still am. I just hate the entire consortium of lawyers and people in the law. So you know, theoretically, it's wonderful. In practice, it's stupid and a waste of time, in my opinion. Please do do become a lawyer, though. If someone else is listening to, but it's not for me. I can be good at law. I really could be half decent at it and be a top lawyer. I would probably never smile being a lawyer. It's just, it's not for me. So it's exciting on the TV as it is in real life. Oh, forget that. It's just, you know, not we're not going to go into we're, we're not going to go into that. I could complain so much about it. Um, and then I did the the real Asian thing of then like joining the family business. So we'll get on to this after we hear your 
yeah. sorry, otherwise I'm talking far too long. And I was working, so my parents' main business is a commodity brokerage firm. So my parents trade oil, gas, copper, gold, wheat, rice, and currencies. Like Just a general overview. That's yeah. what my parents' main job is, both of them. And... Yeah, you know, I was helping out there, and then my sister fell ill for a bit, so I then ran a hair salon for a bit, and then went back to commodity brokerage, and then I came back to London for a wedding, stayed, realized I enjoy having a social life because working commodities meant working 2 p.m. till midnight. Yeah. Did not enjoy that, especially in the Middle East, uh, with alcohol is far too expensive and far too rare. And then, you know, came back, found a job eventually. And now I essentially work in business evolution technically, but I do training videos. I run design show stands. I create HR policy and so on. Like, that is my daily life. <laughs> Not gonna lie, that sounds pretty interesting. It sounds like uh, you do a variety of different things, but I don't know. I'm always, I always have like this sort of biased perspective of something less technical. It's just like, it feels like there's so much more freedom than there probably actually is, in my opinion. And I think that's maybe some of the views that other people get of uh, these more like uh, interactive positions, I guess. Non-nerd positions, we'll put it more bluntly. Oh, oh hold on. I'm doing video editing and audio editing as well, my job. <laughs> yeah, you got to work in the computer quite a bit. No, I think the reason I enjoy it is, is, is like my degree, PPE is not... It's in the US, it's a triple major if you were to do it there. Yeah. You know, I've majored in all three. And in the sense, I if I got bored with something, I could swap over to something else. And that's what I like about my current job. Yeah, that does actually sound really nice because, well, I guess now's a good time <laughs> to talk about my own experience for now. And then we'll start to circle back a little bit. But um, so growing up, I was pretty good at everything in terms of academics. Like I was good at languages. I was good at math. I was good at science. I was good at like, uh, what other things are there besides math, science, and languages? I don't know. Um, history, history is another thing that is taught in schools, but is not really very useful to everyday things. <laughs> I'm sure we've annoyed some historians. I did astronomy as one of my like graded subjects. How was that? Did you do it at that? I actually got an A in the exam, but I flunked the coursework. <laughs> it's similar to me like I was always really good at tests but I was so bored with homework because it was just like different variations of the same shit like night after night and then that is always where I really struggled like the first month and the last month I'm always amazing in the semester and then the middle ground it is a struggle it is a struggle but <laughs> that's that's a little bit further I guess along but just wrap going back to the beginning so yeah initially my dream um well, first, when I was five, I was like, I want to be, a, you know, something stupid. Like, I want to be a cheetah or a lion when I grew up. <laughs> so my parents always loved telling that story. Like, uh, what did you want to be when you grew up? He's like, oh, he wanted to be a cheetah or a lion. And then, of course, the, all the old relatives just point and laugh at me because every other kid's going to be like an astronaut or some doctor. And I want to be a fucking uh, animal in the <laughs> African wilderness. But, hey, that sounds like a pretty good life. I think uh, that'll be my next life. I was going to say, did, were you a big Lion King fan? <laughs> My sister loved watching Disney movies. I liked Lion King, uh, of course, liked Aladdin. I think Lion King was probably the favorite, but I didn't like as many Disney movies because just my sister played them over and over and over again. So I got burnt out of Disney movies very quickly. 
about cheetahs because they were fast. <laughs> that was the main thing. And like I said before, I was a fat kid growing up, so I was very, very slow. And actually in gym class, uh, one of the things sometimes you have to do is like run a mile in a certain amount of time. I could never run the mile. Like it would always take me like I'd get to halfway in like 12 minutes and then I'd just stop and walk the rest of the way. <laughs> it was a, not a good time for me in gym class. But uh, luckily my school had other physical activity options and it was a small school. So pretty much if you want to join a team, you could. So that's how I got my physical education. In. But anyways, <laughs> me not really having any idea what I wanted to do when I grew older was kind of a reoccurring theme until basically the late 20, late teens, early 20s. So basically up until 10 years ago. So I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was just like solid at everything. Of course, like I mentioned earlier, my downfall was that I was going to test, but I was bad at homework. And in the States, if you're bad at homework in the school that I went to, that was actually more worth more than a lot of your tests, except for the final of the class. So like the final of the class was worth maybe 20 to 30 percent of your overall semester grade in high school. But the homework was worth like 30 percent. And then I was didn't hand in like a bunch of them. And that got my parents hissed. They're like, you work so hard and you just fucked everything up. Of course, not using that language, but sort of similar to that. You get the point. <laughs> but anyways, so through elementary school, I was doing well. And then I was in this public education system, which was nice. I had a lot of friends. Uh, everybody was white, but that didn't bother me. And it didn't bother them that I was like a different color. I was friends with all of them. Uh, the only difference is that I was like slightly uh, richer. So it was a bit of a difference when I went to their houses or they came to mind because my dad's a doctor uh, and my mom is an accountant in my dad's office. So like we did well <laughs> and, uh, you know, we had to show off to the neighbors. Not really because all our neighbors hate each other. So <laughs> it's like I never really interacted with our neighbors at all. And none of them had uh, kids my age growing up. <laughs> so, so the friends I had were mostly at school and they were in like a different neighborhoods and shit like that. But anyways, and then um, so that was grades. Uh, I know it's different in the English educational system or in Britain, uh, but first through sixth grade, I was in a public school. And then seventh through 12th, my sister is older than me and she went to a, the private school. And uh, my parents were convinced that this was the best way because clearly I wasn't using all my potential, even though I was like acing everything in elementary school. And they sent me to this private school. And then suddenly I was no longer this like amazing academic student who always got super good things in this uh, widespread education system, I was just like a smarter than average kid in this high school system, which is fine. I probably need like a really big ego shock to me. But damn, having an ego is so good <laughs> when you're growing up. Because <laughs> uh, later on, that became my main thing. Like I had no self-esteem or anything for a long time. But that's probably like another episode. <laughs> but it mostly had to do with academics. So like I do well in the classes. I was like, our class had maybe 70 people total, so it was a very mm. small class. I don't know, how, how big is the typical boring? 70. 17. 7-0. Okay, so you mean my grade, um, or my year. So in South Africa, and in, or around 100, 120. Yeah, I, I mean, if you want to go, I was going to say, like my boarding school was a very strange system. We'll talk about it maybe in a bit. But or, you know, let me just say now. So essentially, in the boarding school, primary mm. school, elementary school, as you call it, girls and boys are taught together. And then in secondary school, from okay. yeah, until sixth, so until year 12 and 13, 
you're taught separately apart from games, which is our equivalent of physical education. You're taught in the same school by the same teachers, but in different classes. Except for gym, where something could happen the most. That seems yeah. a little bit outdated. <laughs> yeah, so it's called the diamond model system. And then for your final years, so 12 and 13, you're taught together again. And apparently, according to the school, you get better grades because when, you know, when you're in that age group, your hormones are flying through the wall. And it's just easier to concentrate in a room full of single sex. But you still get to meet and mingle the opposite sex during free time, essentially. Oh, that sounds perfectly awful. <laughs> That's perfectly fine. It was? I don't know. I went to some boys' camps in summer camp because we had summers off. And it got a little bit weird sometimes. Not like, it was just like a lot of like, uh, I don't know, <laughs> locker room things. Not locker room talk like the president would say. But it was uh, <laughs> it was weird. It was not well, I was used to growing up in a pretty conservative household. I was going to say, did you ever like take your tops off in the middle of the common room, play Jason Mraz, just to play a joke on your rugby teacher? Oh God, <laughs> no, we didn't have to do that. In summer class, it was just like randomly, just like you know, I don't know, just like whacking each other with towels across the balls. Usually, shit like that. But this has nothing to do with academics. How did get? How did we get here? Fuck homoerotic like things that you do at all boys camps or all boys schools i mean no, there's, there's nothing homoerotic about you know a bunch of topless rugby players after a match seeing jason Mraz, is there well jason <laughs> Mraz is pretty good not gonna lie uh he had the song the remedy that was a song i remember back in my days in middle school no the song was it was basically we're all singing together after the game mm-hmm. on the couches and mr briggs had gone yeah, guys, if there's any way for this to be gay, it's for you guys to be topless singing Jason Moran. And he went into the office to get some papers, and we all looked at each other. And he got, you know what's going to happen. So we all took ourselves off. And we then put on I'm Yours by Jason Moran, and they started singing on the top of our voice. And then Mr. Briggs just walks out, looks at us, and just claps and says, well played, boys, well played. I mean, he knew that was coming. He wouldn't be that specific unless he wanted to make that happen. So that's on him, actually. <laughs> He gave you the idea. It's just like, oh, he may have plausible deniability, but he knew exactly what he was bargaining for when he made that comment. We just had a good fun time. But yes, continue about your education. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. Um, middle school, so seventh and eighth grade, and then high school. It was all in the same small school. I had a bit more Asians there because uh, <laughs> they're in the private school along with Basel. But no other Indians, just uh, two Chinese guys who are still like some of my best friends today. So that's nice. But yeah, I was surrounded by smarter people. And uh, suddenly when you're like, you know, you just do the best you can for the first eight years of your life or first eight years of your major academic career. And then grades nine through 12, it's just like your life goal is to get into this place you've never heard of in your entire life. And then uh, if you don't do that, you're like a failure. <laughs> it's just like... Uh, you know what? What I've never I didn't hear about Ivy Leagues until like I was in tenth grade, which is just a year and a half before you start applying to these places. It's just like, oh, SATs. These are just things you have to take, uh, just because everybody takes them. Like I had no concept of college. So, but then it's just like, oh, I still have to do really well anyways because if I don't do really well, I'll just get like verbally abused. So I was never like physically abused, but it was very. Like uh, a lot of screaming and yelling. And I, by nature, am 
kind of non-confrontational. So I just like withdraw and I just like accept that. And I learned how to tell them what they want to hear, which was a very bad habit. So basically I learned how to lie just from that. So that's... Can you just like contextualize that a little bit? How do you mean? So like, you know, it's like... You said like, what did they want to hear, for example? Oh, it's like, you know, basic things like, you know how uh, after a semester you get back a report card or something, I'd be like, oh, I did really well in this class. And then I'd go to the mailbox and take the report card and hide it or stuff like that. And then like, I'd be like, oh, you know, if I just put this off later, <sighs> then it won't be as bad because I'm expecting it. And I'll have these extra three days of like uh, sort of not living in terrified fear or something like that. Which, which grade was this? Probably like early years of high school, mostly. So okay. ninth, ninth. Because my entire life, like, again, like, I had nothing else going besides my academics. So, like, if I didn't do well in academics, I felt like I had nothing, personally. And this was sort of a behavior that was reinforced as well. It's like, you know, all your praise and goodwill, this comes to you as long as you're good at school. <laughs> so that's how I felt in my mind. And there were some instances where I thought it was reinforced. <laughs> I was going to say, very different to me. And I, I think I, my, my older sister... My oldest, my only sister who's older than me, you know, we were at the same school or in primary school and she was like ace, you know, you get those awards at the end of the year. My sister would be like getting award after award. And me, on the other hand, as I said, was like doomed into the failure lots. But my parents also like got really upset when I didn't do my homework or didn't do really well. And I was just like, still couldn't care less. Like I just never got the motivation to do it. Yeah, it's just like homework is such a still not a good concept for me. But I mean, I guess it comes in handy in real life, like when you're actually working. <laughs> it's like sometimes you just got to do stuff at night that isn't fun. No, I don't. Like, I, I as soon as work's over, my phone's out, my emails are on my phone. I don't. Are you salaried? If you're salaried in the US, you're on call like all the time. Like I haven't yeah, had on... to do that so far in my new job, but. No, no, like. My boss has my number. Like, if he wants me to do so, or someone in the team needs me, mm. I've said, call me, but don't expect me to read an email. I clock out. You know, I need my mental break. Because otherwise, I don't work as well. Yeah. No, that's the same with me. Like, <laughs> I, I get into office pretty early, and uh, I always, like, suck up to the bosses a little bit. So it's just like, all right, you know, it's a night. Uh, if you need me, I'm there, but like, I'm not going to actively respond to emails. But, you know, if a deployment's coming along and we got to merge stuff to production, then uh, shit might happen and you might have to be on call, which is annoying, but it's not like something that happens all the time. But you just got to deal with it. <laughs> but that's the downside of working in tech. So your post used to come home to you at that age, like, for anything, because with your report card, because when I was in primary school, my mm -hmm. parents, like, surf, like, already just had everything sent to the office. So I, they would find out before I would find out about my report cards. And then when I went to boarding school, even in Dubai, I was there, they would just get emails. So there was no, like, get-around system. Oh, well, I'm, I'm a bit older than you. Not too much older. But we didn't have emails uh, or, like, internet reporting until I got to college. It was all, like... You mailed by home, and then you could like. Of course, they caught on eventually, <laughs> so they got sent to other addresses, but uh, or the work address basically. But yeah, would you what was did you get punished then? Well, I stopped getting like 
spanked. And that was really the worst that I, I ever got, like spanking was like when I was five. So that's when last week it was like you were hit by Woodsby. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I was like, I didn't have to deal with that. I was going to say, I've yeah. never got hit about being a crap student. But not eating my food was a different matter. And I mean, when you're five, like that's when they stopped. And it's like, you don't even know like the concept of being a, what a student is. <laughs> It was mostly just because, like, uh, these behaviors, or I, I don't even remember, like, the context in which I got spanked. I don't know. Maybe I was, like, playing too meanly with another kid or something. I don't know. I was a pretty nice kid, though. Fuck. <laughs> <I'm> humble <laughs> brag. Humble brag. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, uh, I should have other things to say besides I was a good kid, <laughs> which uh, I do these days. But, anyways. Um... <laughs> So I guess like one story I can uh, share is that so in the States, there's these things called SAT twos. Um, so there's SATs where you're tested on math, verbal or reading comprehension and writing. And that's usually taken around the uh, grade 11. But there's SAT twos, which are more specifically tailored to things like biology, chemistry, history, calculus, things like that. And you're not supposed to take them until like the end of junior year after your uh right before you start applying to colleges and universities because you're not expected to know all these things in the detail that they test you on. So, but they're standardized tests, so it's like one objective way of comparing people. So in ninth grade, so this is about two years before you're actually supposed to take the SAT2s, but I just finished a biology course. And I took the SAT2s because my parents said, here, take the SAT2s. I was like, fuck, all right, mine. I mean, back then, I didn't swear at all. I didn't know any swears. I didn't even know what fuck meant, but that's what I was thinking internally, I'm sure. You sheltered child. I, I think I used to hear swear words like since I can remember. Oh God! Like, Wait till we get to the relationship and sex episode. Like <laughs> I was so sheltered. I was incredibly sheltered. <laughs> I mean, you'd be too if you just like stay in the same place and in, in Connecticut and you're just surrounded by people you only see in school. And then your parents come home and your dad's too tired. And then you know. Where do you like, think I learned my swearing from? From my parents. My parents never swore. I think it's still a bit of shock to them now. Like I'm casually swearing in front of them. Uh, I think I think casual swearing is a bit bad. But like, I used to hear, oh, like this is like going back to childhood trauma. Like anytime I did something wrong, my dad would swear. Like if on the phone, if work had called, he if something was going wrong in the markets or someone messed up, swearing. My family have been swearing since the dawn of time, as far as I'm concerned. Like yeah. very very casual. Yeah, I think my dad only just started swearing on my like my presence, aside from the occasional like shit. It's like uh, only like in the past five years. And even then, it's just like, oh, look at these assholes, stuff like that. And my mom basically never swears. But what happens if you like stub your toe or something? What do they say? We don't. We just don't stub our toes. That's just bullshit. It's <laughs> <laughs> bullshit. Everyone like does something stupid where they hit their hand or they bang their knee into something. You say fuck. Like, oh, fuck. like fuck, <laughs> they make the spitting sound like <laughs> that was the that was the thing of exasperation. So when I heard that, I was like, Rama. It's just uh, that's why I knew him for it. <laughs> that wasn't fully Americanized out of them. But no American swears for or English swears until like the past five years, basically. <laughs> They're fully Americanized, so I don't know. But anyways, so back to this story about SAT2s. So I was doing the SAT2s in biology in ninth grade, and you're supposed to take them at the end of 11th grade, which is the year before you get to college. So I got them, and I did, uh, I got quite a good score. Of course, not nearly as good as people who got, like, 
who had the full AP biology experience. This was just a freshman high school biology. But I did better than a lot of the average. So I guess to any American students out there, it was like a 690 out of 800, which is quite good, uh, especially after one year. And so like, but I didn't know. I didn't know the context right. of what's a good score back then because I didn't care. It's like, why do I care like what these standardized test scores are? So my dad got this. He looked at me and like, he had to, he's like, <laughs> he looked at me in such a, not rage, but like, if you ever get a score like this again, I'm going to send you off to India and you're going to be in boarding school there. <laughs> I was like, God. Should have taken the offer up, man. Should have taken the offer I up. Language. And I, I didn't like going to India for too long a time when I was a kid. <laughs> I could be there for two weeks. But longer than that, I would start losing my mind. And they knew that. <laughs> man, like my dream was to go to an Indian boarding school. <laughs> really? No. Yeah, Woodstock College as well, one of the oldest ones, if not the oldest one. Man, okay, we're not going to go into like my dreams of boarding school. That's. <laughs> boarding school <dreams. laughs> yeah, always wanted to go, man. Always wanted to go. Indian high school as well. They're all ridiculously competitive too, so maybe it would have had a similar atmosphere. But I didn't know the language. So I was like, and I didn't have any friends back there. So it was just like this foreign experience. I was like, all right, you know, I can't let this happen again. And that's when I started learning how to like say things they want to hear <laughs> so that's sort of the story of how i learned to lie or lied more maliciously Perfectly. to hide yeah. things from them even then i still got into like a, a good school not an ivy league but like a level under it and even i guess like transitioning away from the academics so for the career uh, my dad is a doctor my mom is an accountant but even until college, I had no idea what I wanted to do still. Like, I was good at everything. I was like, uh, you know, I had a good chemistry teacher. So maybe chemistry research was something I wanted to go in. All I know is that I hated physics because I had a really miserable physics teacher. I was like, I don't want to do physics. I just don't like it. <laughs> so when I went to college, I was like, right, I'll do environmental science. And then the prospect of doing master's and graduate school and working for the government, because you're environmental science, if you want to get paid, you're going to have to get advanced degrees and do all this stuff. And I was like, I was starting to lose, like, I like learning, but only if I can learn about everything. So my favorite classes in college, even though uh, I'm tech right now, was law. I liked law. I liked economics. I liked finance. I liked chemistry. And but I didn't like it diving too deep into it. Breadth, but not depth. And you're yes. just being the guy who triple majored, mate. <laughs> like, <laughs> commitment is not my thing. Not <laughs> academically, at least. <laughs> We'll get we'll get to that to another episode commitment, but yeah, I feel that like, but I was always good at science and math, like a stereotypical Indian kid. My sister who was older than me, like was much more aggressive and much more like upfront. So she got into college and it's like right, I'm doing English, and my parents like semi protested, but she sort of beat them down. I think that's why they're a bit more lenient once I got into college. Like, all right, you can sort of do what you want. Like, we're not going to force you to go into medicine or tech. But I did like tech. And so actually, for an internship, I did, I did some video editing as well. And that's how I got into YouTube for a little bit. I was like doing video editing. And then I was like, well, if I want to do this big time, I need to get a film degree and move to Hollywood. Um, and then just sort of like risk everything. And that's not in my style. I'm not that predisposed to risk. So I was like, well, I still like working with technology. Let's do computer science. And so I am, I guess I'm a software engineer right now. And that's what I've been doing. And uh, I guess that can sort of go into the next subject because 
Do you have any regrets? I guess you always wanted to do PPE. And no, I want to be a Formula One driver first, mate. Let's just <laughs> yeah. keep that. <laughs> do you have any regrets of not going full steam for the Formula One dream when you were six years old? No, because I, I was totally unaware of it yeah. that I needed to be at six years old. I can tell you, I just saw a massive crash on television of Formula One cars and thought, that's where I want to be in that crash. <laughs> in the middle of that, just uh, getting the crowd pumped up and just hobbling off in the ambulance. Um, I, and maybe not the ambulance part, but now remember, Formula One is generally very, very safe these days. But is it? Yeah, uh, F1 is. Yeah, there was a, unfortunately, there was a death. What's it in the uh, what's it F three? What's it last weekend? But let's not go into that. <laughs> I have no idea but, what you're talking about for Formula One. So you know, the idea of going to most sports has always been in my head, even if it wasn't to be a driver. Mm-hmm. But in the sense of, do I want to like regret doing PPE or along those lines? No, definitely not. I think I was very. I'm quite lucky that. At a young age, I knew what I wanted, even though I had no hopes and dreams of getting mm. there. I guess I know and still to a degree want to have influence over policy making and policy decisions. And that means going into politics at some point. But, you know, I have this hate and this persistent hate of career politicians. And I think politicians have a hate of career politicians. So <laughs> it wouldn't be the first thing that would happen if a politician hating politician got in that's all the democratic uh, platform is these days in the u.s no sir uh, so when i was 10 just around the beginning of the iraq war mm-hmm. the second gulf war and i just thought you know it's such a waste and you know gotta stop stuff like this happening yeah and you know i looked around myself in south africa and you know it was 10 years of freedom 10 years born free and there was still and there still is like a huge amount of poverty there's such a poor lack of not lead not just leadership but it's this is not like the political science now going to be coming out but like mm-hmm. trust of political institutions and not getting support for ideas that are in the long run better for the economy or better for people even if they're unpopular and we lack consensus building even like more so than ever today and i thought as a young child you know i want to have a say and that's you know if i want to help cure poverty my teacher said don't become a charity worker get into politics and make change policy and so you know thank you miss johnstone i like want to become a politician (laughs) and that's it and that's still like a big thing of me Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I want to go and make, you know, the world, my country, my country being, you know, dependent on how I'm feeling at the day, but, you know, something better than it was yesterday. And so I, do I regret going and doing a degree that would help me do that? No. Do I regret doing a master's? No, because it stopped me from doing a PhD and becoming, it stopped me from becoming a true Asian because I'm going to, Unfortunately, I admit this to you, but you can't call myself Asian until I'm doctor, right? <laughs> <laughs> then what am I? I'm just like subhuman. <laughs> I don't have it yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes, you are. <laughs> That's okay. You know, I think uh, the chimps in the jungle do pretty well for themselves. Well, maybe not these days, but they used to have a good. I guess when it comes to law, 
Like that could seem as a colossal waste of time, but I've made good connections, good friends, mm-hmm. and y- y- I guess this is the thing I would tell people, and like, well, I tell my mentees, like you know, also mentor people. Um, it's you know you can live with regret and like upsetness, but there's always you know like take a step back, realize that if you got a roof over your head, food on the plate, you know pretty much better off than most of the world so you know try and like realign what do you think because there's always going to be those what ifs you're always going to have what if moments you're going to think oh i could have done that could have done this things could have played out like that but they haven't and if you spend too much time you know worrying about that like it's not going to help you so like take your time take your decision making like i did and just go for it Uh, yeah so do i regret that like, do I regret being an absolute like useless person with my homework? No, <laughs> no, I don't. Do I regret? I what else could I regret, Karen? I don't know. That's interesting because that's like a, a very. It might sound sarcastic, but it's not. It's very noble. It's like very outward thinking. Like you had this dream to help other people, and this was the best way to make that happen. And so everything along the way like gave you a better appreciation for that. So that is something that is. Not completely foreign for me, but it's definitely something that I have uh, had thoughts about. Uh, but yeah, that is a uh, very selfless. Don't worry, like someone has named me Hanuk Papa on their like contact, so that's like Granddad. <laughs> Gandhi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And someone's another person like Hanuk Bapu. I'm like, you know, just like say Mahatma, man. Like, you know. Like why? Like why waste time? I, bet. I would just demand them to. <laughs> it's just like, just commit to it fully. It's like yes, bow down to me. I am the best. I'm the greatest. But like in that sense, do you regret doing like CS or computer science? I guess. So I'm more selfish. Because <laughs> so I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like, so let's just get that so, um, out of the way. Like I was a good student. But I knew, like, I wouldn't be good enough to do, like, four years of medical school and four years of residency. Like, um, if I just tried to do all that, then I would get bored or I would just not get into it in the first place. Like, I wouldn't have the mental discipline to do that at that age. Like, now, if I had to do it, I could probably do that, but only because I've had this life experience of uh, grinding out other jobs as well. Um, But I got into it, computer science, because first I was interested in tech and I wanted to do stuff with the internet. And I guess... Um, that was mostly what I thought I wanted to do. Secondly, it was like, I don't really want to do an advanced degree unless I am ready and I'm already established in the field. I already have some money that I could pay for this for myself and uh, without like relying on the parents too much. Just like as a, a point of pride, like I have a very good relationship with my family these days, but just like, you know, <laughs> if I want to do an advanced degree further, it's, it's more expensive in the States and I'd want to like do it on my own. So I want to have the experience because I'd only had minor jobs. I never had like a full-time work experience. And I imagine that's the same for a lot of uh, people who like go straight from high school to college and then straight into an internship or job. So basically what I came out to was how can I make the most money fast? And that was- Wait, hold on, can I quickly like sidetrack you? What's the worst job you've had? Um, worst job? Like, what you regard, like you regard, not the actual oh. worst, but what you regard because it was your worst job. Oh, so right before I went to college, like, this is somewhere I lost a lot of weight because I want to like to do this college transformation thing. 
So I was like skinny. And then I got a job at Wendy's. <laughs> so that was a fast food burger flipping restaurant. <laughs> and I quit after the second week. I was like, fuck this. This is the last time I'm going to hang out with all my high school friends. I just want to go to their house and play Smash Bros and just like have fun. Because <laughs> every other summer before that, I went to either like summer camp where I didn't know anybody. And that was maybe until 13 or 14. Or I went to academic play camps, like uh, chemistry to get you a boost up in chemistry or some environmental science program to help you look better on your college application. Everything in the summers was designed to help me in my college application at a certain point. And this is the first summer that I already got into college and I didn't want to fucking work. I want to just like have fun <laughs> and I didn't need to work because my family is quite well off. So like, I was like, I didn't understand the concept of why am I doing this right before I just like not see these people again for a long time, except when I go back home. So I was like, I, I, I'm a pretty good interviewer. So I was like, I said all the right things to get into the job. And it's not really a rigorous fucking application process to get to Wendy's. Like they're going to take the first person who can breathe. And then I, I just manned the drive through for like a day. And then I just never went back. It was awful. Have you gone back to the Wendy's to order something? <laughs> it might be closed. Ahead of the curve, ahead of the curve. <laughs> yeah. I knew it was going down, but actually... So this is a completely sideway tangent, but Wendy's stock went down because they're starting to offer breakfast, but they need to hire more people and the labor market's tight. Anyways, uh, that is nothing to do with anything. <laughs> but yeah, Wendy's stock is going downhill a little bit because they're offering breakfast. Um, I was also like a customer sales representative for a chocolate company. And even though you might think of customer service as like uh, kind of a sort of lame job, it wasn't the worst thing because... I'm pretty patient with people. I can start put myself in their shoes and say like, ah, I'm sorry this happened, except in a much more nice and polite way. Is there anything you can do to make this up for you? But that was probably the second worst experience and that wasn't even that bad. So Wendy's was the worst and then uh, the chocolate company, Godiva, was... Wait, you used to Godiva? Yeah, as a customer uh, service representative. I used to know the CEO. Okay, that, I used to know the person running it for a bit, but... <laughs> Moving up on the world, huh? The <laughs> yeah. Welcome to private boarding school in the UK. You make connections, mate. No, but I'm trying to think of my worst job. I think I'm going to lump telephone and door-to-door sales as low points. Those didn't even last a week. I just like got so tired of the abuse. They just like, uh, yelled at you or they just didn't even ask Yeah, you just get sworn out with the doors slammed in your face. You just think, yeah, minimum wage ain't worth that. That that's my advice. Don't like if someone like yells at you at your job and your employer is doing nothing to stop it. Don't stay there. Yeah, it's just not worth it. Never worth it, unless it's like then, a good salary job. Then you can then you still have to tolerate a little bit of abuse because you're getting paid. But even then, it's everybody's professional. So I was going to say, what was the and then I guess the second worst, which wasn't actually that bad, was doing like working at events. So I'm like, my aunt does events. I need money over the summer. I said, look, can you just make pay me to do whatever you need to be done? And so I spend most of my time helping people park their cars, helping old ladies walk across like the roads and things. And then, you know, have random uncles come to me and you're like, why am I parking in a field? And I'm like, I don't know, mate. Like, go ask the groom or the bride. Like, I didn't fucking choose the location. The second worst job is never as worse. 
uh, <laughs> the worst job because the worst job just leaves such an impression in your mind that you've quit after a week or something like that. And the second job, it's just like you can put up with it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, mate, like, what, what am I going to do? Like, I'm literally just hot, pointing where the nearest free spot is <laughs> and making sure no one breaks into your car. Like, oh, I don't know why it's not tarmacked. Yeah, you can always contextualize it. It's like, well, at least it's not flipping burgers at a Wendy's or <laughs> doing door-to-door sales. With the... So what did you sell? I have to know. What we were selling, what was the door-to-door sales? So telephone sales was solar power. Door-to-door sales was charity work. And I have to admit, I, we did one sale, which was so bizarre. Like, let into this room, like, this one lady. It was, like, it was a charity for... Um, like uh, was it sight loss? Mm-hmm. So it was actually really good work, like, you know, something really important. And this woman led us into her house. It was in the middle of summer, and like we'd sitting there, and then like all of a sudden, like three kids, all under the age of six, I must say, like just ran around like naked, jumping about with paint, <laughs> like, and you just think, what the fuck is going on? Like, <laughs> just an awkward <laughs> dimension. And my colleague next to me is like, get the like, convince it, like, not get her to take her card out now before like we lose hope. <laughs> I can just see that happening. It's just like you open the door and just like all this shit is happening, and the other guy just catches up. No, it was a perfectly normal house. We let in, like, sat down, offered a cup of tea. Like, I was thinking that this, like, you know, after like the, it's been all right. It's been pretty rough. Like, but it's like this is the upside, and doing good work, it's worth it. Then, like, chaos erupted from eyes and thought, no, 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 it, it, it's all the same, it's all the same. <laughs> and that only lasted for a week as well? Yeah, yeah, like, was, that was, like, the only time anything good happened. And I think that is my description of good on that job. <laughs> At least it's memorable. Wendy's least... is so unmemorable, aside from, like, this feeling of despair. <laughs> like, I knew, just getting into it, I would not like it. And then my feelings are confirmed 10 minutes into it. <laughs> I moved past that now, I guess. <laughs> do, you, do you like flip a finger to Wendy's every other day or something when you drive uh, past or go past? No, like, uh, so I, I'm, I think in the last episode, I, I said I'd go to like fast food places after dinner. I'd go to the gas station or McDonald's. I'd, I would purposely just avoid all Wendy's on principle because <laughs> one, the food was just not as good to me, like. They didn't have like the the frosties are just like discount McFlurries and uh, the chicken nuggets are just not as good. The fries are always just bad, and I didn't eat beef anyway. So like, what's the point of getting the better burgers if you just don't eat beef? The only thing they had good at Wendy's was baked potatoes, and I got tired of baked potatoes pretty fast. I would just avoid all Wendy's, and I don't think I've gone back to Wendy's since then. I think I got like went back once to try like some spicy chicken nuggets once. That is literally the only other time I've gone back in 10 years. Wait, 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 because we're going to talk about food. How spicy are we talking on your scale of one to five star? Oh, it was mild. So it was like white people spicy. It was mild for me. I can handle some spice, <laughs> just not very much. So it's so like a one star. Yeah, What's... like, you know, taco seasoning spicy. I, I don't know what taco seasoning is, but it's okay. Like, uh, I know what I, I, I know what <laughs> tacos are. <laughs> to say. Like we have Mexican restaurants this side yeah. of the No, but I think it was just literally just ancho chili powder, so not spice at all. A little no. bit salty. That's it. And some flavor. 
I guess like that's the big deal with the Popeye's chicken sandwich. It's slightly spicier than the Chick-fil-A one, so everybody's going nuts. And you know, I haven't tried it yet, but I'm sure it's only just a slightly spicier version of any other chicken sandwich you can get anywhere else in the world. I'm just going to have to say yes. I'm sure it is. <laughs> it was a big thing uh, in the U.S. social media, and now Popeye's doing some other gimmick, but I don't know. It's all fast food chicken. It all sucks. <laughs> I was going to say, last time fast food chicken made it onto the news here in the UK was when KFC ran out of chicken. Oh, God. And then people complaining that we might have to go to Burger King. Well, I did read the statistic that British, eat, British people eat the most takeout food anywhere in the world. I don't know if it's yeah. like pickup or that's like fast food as well. But No, that includes like all the Indian restaurants. Yeah. And the Chinese restaurants. It must be like a thriving, like, uh, I can just imagine sort of these uh, underground bunkers where all the Indian people go in and just try to maneuver, try to give out each other the cheapest deals so they can get the biggest foothold in the market. Because, I don't know, I've heard everything about Indian restaurants in England. It's just, they're everywhere. Yeah, yeah. They're, like, Indian foods are equivalent of Mexican food in the States, but imagine more so. <laughs> so like Mexican food in Texas or California, probably. Anyways, yes. how, how do we get to food? <laughs> because everything revolves around food. It really does. I made those uh, hanvos. I don't even know if that's how you pronounce it. And uh, I know this might be a slightly inappropriate comparison. So cover your ears. It tastes like uh, spicy corn muffins. <laughs> they were really good. <laughs> so. uh, I mean, I've never had a corn muffin in my life. So. Really? Well, you're not really missing much because it's not that much flavor. But it's very light and crispy. So most muffins that you can get are not that crispy, or if they are, they're not light. But this is like light and crispy. And I was never really a, a big fan of a bottle gourd growing up because it's very liquidy, so it just ruins the texture. But in the muffins, it just made Sorry, everything what? lighter and fluffier. What's bottle gourd? Dudby. Oh, Dudby. Sorry, like you see, I, I'm sure I wrote that on the bloody website <laughs> on the recipe, but I, I don't know what it is. Vegetables need to be in. Gujarati for me. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I didn't even know how to pronounce it. I said Dudi, but it's Dudi. Dudi. Anyway. I was going to say, don't worry. Like, it's not, Gujaratis aren't that important. <laughs> don't say that. So much influence. Yeah, uh, we, only got, we only got the president, or, no, the prime minister of India. The president of prime minister. Not a big deal at all. Not a big deal no. at all. Yeah, all right, so let's move back to what where was it? Hold on, let's go. Oh, when he's oh yeah, I have any regrets about computer science? So I contextualized myself while well, I wanted to make money in computer science, was the best way to do that while still working with computers. <laughs> so that was my goal uh, to make money, and uh, then I can just sort of live my life how I want it with a bit more freedom. And it's, I guess, like the biggest regret I have in going to that is that so in computer science, unless you're in Silicon Valley or um, in a very big tech startup especially early on you want to be moving around a lot instead of getting internally promoted so the office environments can be very different so at my last place it was good but i had a lot of uh, older people so there weren't that many common interests like they had kids and at my new place i'm sort of stuck in middle age wise like there's younger college students and then there's older a lot of indian people with uh who are just uh, on the tech team side of things but it's very quiet like there goes hours in the office where nobody talks to anybody and that's, even though I'm like a quiet person myself, 
I sort of miss uh, a little bit of the camaraderie that you might find at other positions because I think everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people in where I am in the computer science, they sort of have a similar mindset where it's just like, all right, we're going to move on eventually. So no point in sort of establishing these relationships. And I'm guilty of that myself, but it's a little bit lonely because of the mercenary like attitude. So I guess that's my regret. Like if I went to med school, if I ever could get in, if I tried um, and all that, like all the residents I've ever hung out with, like they're always like, you know, they have really close bonds with other people that they went to med school or residency with. Like they fought in the trenches together, literally or figuratively. And I don't really have anybody like that. I sort of have like very good friends, but that's sort of like the decision I made for my career. But if I had to go back and change it, maybe like transporting my mature mind back into my younger mind, maybe I go to med school and do something like anesthesiology where I wouldn't have to deal with patients. I could just put them to sleep and not work in an office because uh, my dad had to deal with a lot of office politics, which sounded very annoying and very tiring. So I'd, I'd do that. But like, that would be the only other thing. And even now, like there's so many cool tech jobs like in AI and in machine learning. Like I want to maybe one day work for 538 in New York City. I think that would be really cool. So like there's data a lot of science for them. Would yeah, be data so science, cool. sports, politics. Like that sounds like the dream to me. So you can you can still do that in tech. So minor regrets, mostly for the atmosphere and the camaraderie. But other than that, not really that many regrets. I'm trying to think, right? See, because my family own their own business, mm-hmm. I've always felt like I always have the fallback job. I always have that fallback career, which most people don't have. Mm-hmm. I, I could I could quit my job tomorrow, walk out, tell my boss to go f himself, and like you know die in a ditch, and so he can never have to worry about him giving me a reference or anything. Because in the sense is, I literally could pack my bags, you know, book a flight, and, you know, 48 hours later, have a job working in a field that would pay me a lot more. And so, you know, you're saying your motivating goal is money. Yeah, money for freedom. <laughs> money for freedom, but like freedom to do what? Like, that's my next stop question. <laughs> money so I can have the freedom to stop working. And do what? What are you going to do with that? No, nothing <laughs> not work. I haven't thought that far ahead. <laughs> that's why I don't really... Like, I can stick to routine very well. I can eat the same thing. I can go to the gym every day. But thinking very far in advance, all I know is that it doesn't sound very appealing. Because <laughs> it knows it's a long time away. Because you say that, like, I don't want to stop working. I want to be, like, 95 years old and then, like, running a charity or something or doing organizing events. I, like, the concept of not working, to me, just sounds like death. Really? Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was, uh, like, listeners don't know, but so, you know, my week was going out on Sunday night, going out on Monday night, doing something. I was badminton on Tuesday. Or yesterday I was out. Tonight I was out before recording this. Tomorrow I'm out. Saturday I'm out. Sunday I might be going out at this point. And you know I've been working through that, cooking, looking after my grandmother. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's a busy schedule, hectic. But, but yeah, it's a it's a busy, tight pack schedule. Yeah, and I still need to like finish this book of mine, and <laughs> I'm not going to do it tonight though. <laughs> yeah, and you know I try and read a book or at least you know two three books a month. On top of that, like, and then like the thought of doing nothing like scares me so much. 
Yeah, I guess that's a weird thing because, like, I don't know what to do on days off. So that's the very concerning thing. That's why I've started this new job in January, and I've only taken one paid time day off, and the rest have been just in designated, like, uh, special days like Independence Day or Memorial Day. It's just, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know what to do on my days off. So that's the concerning thing for me. (laughs) It's, like... (laughs) I, I'm saving up a lot of I'm saving up a lot and uh, I'm sort of making these goals happen. But the end goal is to like stop working. But what would I do? I don't really know. So maybe just, the end goal is just not. It's just to find things to occupy the other time. And I think that's probably on me for like having a very uh, selfish mindset to these sorts of things. <laughs> so I think uh, that's something I still have to develop. Because um, your parent, your dad owns a surge or your mom. Dad have a surgery, I presume, of some sort. Yeah, he was a GI doctor. He was. So he's retired well, now. He's retired, but now he's unretired because he's insane. So, but yeah, like, he got it's... bored. He got bored, just like you sound like you'd get bored if you didn't work. He got bored. My grand, like my father, so my dad's dad, had the most typical story of, of well, you know, having a a what's the equivalent of not. A, a corner shop, right? Essentially, had a corner shop. Do you know what a corner shop is? Yeah, like a yes. convenience store. No, no, like my granddad had like a full-on supermarket style oh, okay. shop. Before my dad's side of the family was a refugees, my grandfather used to have a large supermarket in Uganda. Then that all got destroyed. And my grandfather like stopped learning things when he was fourteen, and you know worked until. He was 68, 69, like, you know, came to the UK, got a job in the supermarket and then been working until he was able to start his own shop again and did that. You know, he does nothing now. And I, I can say, well, I say nothing. He sort of property management. And That's I no, 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 no. But like, it's got to the point where he needs to hand those off to mm-hmm. someone else. And he's That's- bored. Like, yeah, you know, I can. I, I know my grandfather well enough that he's bored. Yeah, you know, my dad, like, and my mom, because they work in the same business. You know, let's see, my dad works what six and six days a week, twelve hours, fourteen hours. Holy crap! Yeah, my mom does the same, but my mom like does maybe five, five days in commodities and currencies. My mom also has a property management business on the side. And she helps out with my sister, not like business-wise, not because she's in different continents and so not in the shop. And then, you know, my dad does consultancy work on top. Like, yeah, my fa- yeah, my sister has her own salon and that requires, you know, seven yeah, days a week worth of looking at. Pies, at doing appointments. It's like a seven days yeah. a week, he said. Yeah. I was going to say, like, my family, my aunt has an events business, which... Okay, there's no events every day, but you need to be working every day, especially public holidays, because that's when people want to throw parties. I'm trying to think, every, pretty yeah, my nuclear close family, like my mama, so my mom's younger brother, we got mom's brother, has a care home that's seven days a week. My, hey, I, I, th- I think we get the picture. <laughs> yeah, like well, I was gonna say, my dad's brothers, you know. One, one, the older one is retired now, but he got like a ridiculous offer and he took it up. But he used to have a pharmacy that was seven days a week. 
and the younger brother runs an education business for like, the 11 plus which is like the equivalent so we so have grammar schools with, uh, doctors or anything like that mm, huh? in the nuclear family is surprisingly not like mm. one of my first cousins is a doctor but you know one's a teacher the other one's a i don't know he, he's an economist of some sort and then on my mom's side well the well, we have one six-year-old turning seven. All hopes are pinned on her becoming something like important. The older one we've given up on already. I mean, they don't know that you're going to be prime minister one day. So jokes on them. Jokes on them. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it, like it, tax it, hopes on you. Yeah, like the whole family. Yeah, everyone works a lot, and I guess yeah, that's unusual in the sense that you know my mom's original degree was pharmacy, and my mom was like forced and pushed into it. And, you know, mom flunked the second year of uni. Like, she had to repeat the year. She, like, and her, um, what's it called? Her, her professors, like, said, like, clearly, you know, like, you're not an idiot. Take the year out. Go away. And come back. You know, take some time out. She came back. Did it. And then, have you ever heard of Boots? No. Okay, so Boots is, like, the largest pharmacy chain in the uk like you might have super drug we have like uh cbs and walgreens those have been the two okay so, okay walgreens imagine the equivalent of walgreens in the uk okay Boots. right like you need to be a top pharmacy student to get a job there my mom was not that my you know you so what's the lowest pass grade in the u.s c so that's average c. that's 75 percent. for okay so okay that's not the, so in the uk you have First class, second class, upper second, lower second, thirds, and pass, right? And so first class means, so if you get for something that's first class, it's publishable, like in the rate, like it could be published. Like oh, okay. Up second I, don't, I don't know. I don't know the criteria for academic writing. Yeah, so, so this is like how your degree is like graded. So oh. like, someone will ask you, what's your degree? What grade do you get in your degree? Degree, you say first class, upper second, two one, two two, or you know thirds if you just pass. And so my mom like scraped a pass, and then you know mom being a proper charmer, and you know having quick mind, got a job at Boots, and everyone's like, how on earth did this like person get a job at Boots? Here's the thing: my mom hates pharmacy still to this day. Anyone she knows who thinks about becoming a pharmacist just says, don't do it. She, she literally says, worst thing ever, worst decision you could ever do. Totally regrets it. You know, thinks it's like the biggest waste of time. Thinks That's anyone funny. who does it. Does to it. do pharmacy a little bit, like uh, making the drugs. No, so my mom just thought like, what a waste of time. You know, anyone can like count tablets. Like, yeah. what is the point of this? Yeah, so, I guess that's that's sort of like similar where I guess like, you know, work is fine. Um, but I guess... It's more like having options. And I guess that's what having more money will do for me in my mind is like having more options. <laughs> so I have, if I get bored of tech, I can do something else and not feel constrained by that. Like, uh, so if I get to a point where like I'm actively hating my job, which I have not done at any point just yet. Um, so that's good. <laughs> like if I get to a point where your mom was like, uh, pharmacy sucks. If I get to a point where tech sucks, well, at least I'll have the option to switch. But yeah, it's, I guess that's, I can sort of empathize with that. And that's why I don't really want to fall into myself. 
but then you know when my sister was born mm-hmm. you know i was only born like 16 months after so my mom essentially didn't work for three years and i say that but my mom literally as soon as i was born and she her maternity could be finished she left and went straight to work i think she said it was six weeks before she went back to work after i was born like she did not want to <laughs> look after me but it was in zambia she got bored again she's also working in a pharmacy there and then she's like to start helping out my dad run the business really enjoyed it and then like that's the other thing i guess people should know is that even if you have a degree in one field don't discount the ability to switch to do something completely different like my mom went from pharmacy to trading like physical hundred thousand tons of wheat oh definitely there's always options as long as you're living in your decent health there's always options obviously it's a bit different you know my mom had access to my dad who did that Mm-hmm. But even my dad didn't like train as a in commodity trader. He wanted to do advertising, got an internship at a commodity firm, and then every lunchtime he was there, went for an interview in marketing, and even did a part-time degree, like a qualification in marketing. Guy is totally useless in marketing, and unfortunately is a sucker for ads, even mm-hmm. without realizing it. <laughs> Well, now you know his weakness to get your, get his vote for you for prime minister. <laughs> Not the familiar tie. He's just a sucker for a good ad. So make sure you have really good ads. No, there's no political broadcast adverts in this country. Oh, yeah, man. It's yeah, we like sold. Old. We we have we solved super PACs. It's just illegal. Oh, you, okay. know, you want to run an attack advert? No, don't. You're not allowed to. But <laughs> let's not stray into politics. But yeah, I mean trying to think of regrets do i regret anything i'm really struggling to say yes but i should somewhere surely well you don't need to like <laughs> you, if you're fine like if if you're fine uh sort of going this uh, i mean more of the mainstream uh indian american route of like going no, no, this... or something like that then and you like it you know that's perfectly fine like i was gonna say that. majority majority of people do stem like still yeah. I'm trying to think. Most of my cousins are either consultants or doctors or along those lines. Uh, yeah, that's the other big thing. That's I don't know. Like a lot of Asians are becoming consultants now. I don't know. Is that the same in the U.S.? Usually, to become like a sought after, paid consultant, you need some experience. It's harder to do it like straight out of university. Like usually, you have to be in mid thirties and you have to have a lot of experience. A lot of people in general are going to consultancy because you just have more free time you can set your hours and set your rates and as long as it's competitive and you know what you're talking about then you can probably get some clients and then you have much more freedom that way so yeah there's a good uh, number of consultants growing yeah, like that's the one thing the uk so that's does. Also, yeah that's also like one of the bad things because you don't have your own health care <laughs> you have to get like your own health care and u.s health care is a shit show so i mean your own health got that nhs my friend <laughs> we're getting three, an extra 350 million pounds a week after brexit why am I laughing at that? That's so it's just become a, a little bit of <laughs> laughing because if you don't laugh, you're gonna cry. Look, if you say, if someone is going to diss you, but you said it first, it's not an insult. It's a self-deprecating joke. Mm-hmm. Oh, I I think a lot of people <laughs> pick that up. 
politics in general for the two countries are if you don't you can't you have to poke fun yourself otherwise it'll just be sad but uh, i'm trying to think academics wise though i don't know i'm I'm thinking back at school i used to be part of every club i could do like i i don't know how long were your lunch breaks about 45 minutes okay i had two hours oh geez like this is at boarding school yeah i'm like discounting the rest like in south africa i had 20 minutes for lunch yeah, we used to finish the day at two o'clock, so I think that's fair enough. And but you know, I always I used to either do rugby training or philosophy or I think chess club at some point I was doing because I enjoyed hanging around. And I did some astronomy lessons at lunchtime as well. Yeah, I even I God, I'm just saying I used to always keep myself busy at school. I used to always have an after school activity, a lunchtime activity. Apart from a couple of days in sixth form, I realized I could use, I could sign up for an activity and then go to my room and take a nap. It's, I didn't have like any time for activities outside of schoolwork and homework and things like that. Did you wish you did like more sports or things like that at school? Um, if I went to a different school, like I don't regret getting into more sports in this small sort of dinky school that I went to because the sports teams weren't that good. But I like even now I still enjoy sports like i'm a huge basketball fan uh i've gotten into uh, more running and more weightlifting and things like that but i don't think did you, I have did you many see reasons. the usa lose <laughs> that's Twice. pretty embarrassing <laughs> they lost to france and serbia that was something else and i'm from the new england and the u.s team had uh four boston celtics players on it so that was doubly sad I don't. I mean, I, I don't know what I'm saying. I don't even know if the UK has a basketball team or league or anything. I'm going to assume we do, but there you go. I, think, uh, I don't know. There was some basketball player from the NBA who did play on the UK team, but that was ages ago. I don't even remember. L- Luol Dang. Yeah, Luol Dang. He was like Nigerian, <laughs> English, and American, but he wanted to play for England. Home sweet home. No, I'm trying to... Yeah, because... I guess that was like that's one thing I I could think is that could have gone to a more prestigious university if I'd like played less sport and did less activities because I did you have a prefect system at school? No, we did not. It wasn't a boarding school. It was a you go there and then you come back, even though it was a private school. Okay, you know, like you don't have to like take make out of my porn school having prefects like <laughs> all i think of when i heard prefects is harry potter like i didn't even know the word existed until harry potter <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no so um i was chaplaincy prefect at school now mm-hmm. to contextualize this i went to a catholic boarding school i am a practicing hindu and chaplaincy is the church side of things and so I am still the first only non-Catholic to hold the position in the school's 370-plus history. Ooh. Do they have a picture yeah. on their wall? Or do, you have, do they have a picture on their wall showing how diverse they are? No. You know what's even worse? Is that oh. I wanted an honors board of all the different prefects, all the different houses put up. They agree. They only did the head boy, head girl, and... And deputy head girl and deputy head boy, <laughs> not chaplaincy. <laughs> this is just Harry Potter in a nutshell. Head boy, head girl. Right. No, so, but essentially, I, the other thing of chaplaincy was pastoral care in charge of all of that. 
So if anyone's being bullied or someone wants to talk to someone that isn't a teacher, I would be the first point of contact. And the second thing was charity fundraising. And so we used to raise a lot of money for charity because I had a co-prefect, Maddie. So Maddie was for girls. I, Hanuk, was for boys. And I just told Maddie, like, I don't give a damn about the church. Anything happens in the church, I'll be there. I'll be I'll appear. I'll smile. I'll pretend that Jesus is my savior and so on. <laughs> but he might be your savior, but he's not mine. <laughs> and, you know, you can go convert people, like do that. As long as you just agree to like, let me raise money in the most unethical ways possible. Yeah, I I, put this way. um, You know what Lent is, right? Yeah. All right. So for Lent, I realized we could raise a lot of money by having soup days, which essentially when we took the entire lunch budget and just got rid of that and just served soup instead with some bread. And normally it was done once per Lent. So once and either four or five weeks of the school year, you know, soup day, right? Yeah. I ran one every week, but I, I randomized the days. Didn't tell anyone that was going to happen apart from the um, deputy head and the head of catering just to organize it. I was just given carte blanche over the school lunchtime. I was the, one of the most hated people at school for about a month. But we raised four thousand pounds out of it, so I consider that a victory. <laughs> what what did you do with the four thousand pounds? It went to like a school ball or something. Um, we were sponsoring two charities, so we were sponsoring the nuns. So my school was founded by nuns, mm. and they have a mission in Rwanda, and so we went to help funding the school there, which is for girls on the street who were being taught skills like sewing learning how to read and write in French and English and being introduced and being given skills to like work and not, yeah, not live on the streets. And the other charity we were doing was what's it called? Um, Teens Unite, which is a cancer charity for teenagers or people under the age of 25 who aren't expected to live past 25. So when everybody knew what charities they went to, did they forgive you? Were you not hated anymore? You were brought no, back no, no, no. This was all pre-known. And I got like letters from parents like to the school, like, you know, like we're paying all these fees and my child comes home eating soup. And I like, said, like, please let me respond to a couple of these letters. <laughs> and then I, remember, I got to meet one of the parents and just said, so like, when was, see, this is, you know, I grew up in Africa and I said, like, so, you know, when was the last time you, saw a child like starving on the streets and these posh people from England you know they've never seen that and put them in their place and then I got more angry letters after that for being pretentious and annoying but you know raise more money that's <laughs> but is that this whole like chaplaincy prefect was essentially working a job at that time because mm-hmm. I was running charity events I was taking time out in the evenings to go to different school events because there would be an event every other night. And I would go there with a bucket and I would throw my own money in there. So I would rattle it or I'd get like one of my friends who I knew would be at the event or kid out at the event, give them like 20 pound note. Mm-hmm. That's like, the, that's our second highest denomination note. So imagine someone with a $50 note, like be very early in the queue, pull out their wallet, 
imagine you saw like a 12 year old or 13 year old at a school event pull out 20 quid and put into the charity bucket and you as a parent then like we're gonna just take out a couple of coins look like a bit of a dickhead wouldn't you man <laughs> you'd be a very good politician in the states so, <laughs> guilt tripping people everywhere yes yeah, yeah. yeah, so I, I basically i guilt trip a lot of people to giving money <laughs> hey it went to a good cause that's all, that's all that matters in the end right you sleep all at night yeah yeah i, like, I didn't get any see any of the money no so we raised fifteen thousand pounds in the year and then like we take away costs oh was... i'm sorry praise jesus because uh, <laughs> you're chaplain yeah sure whatever i don't care about jesus <laughs> i know i just felt like i had to throw that in there I mean, you know, he's a Middle Eastern guy, you know. He's got other things to worry about. True, true. All right. I think uh, we got sidetracked a little bit there at the end, so I think... But, uh, what are your future career plans? Future career plans? So, Like, do you want to stay in the U.S.? Or do you want to... Yeah, I like the U.S. I'd probably stay there, but I probably wouldn't stay in New England. I'd probably move to the West Coast and... Uh, try to work for a company that's a bit more fulfilling um, for me emotionally, because I think that's sort of what I'm missing. So if I just sort of settle down somewhere and work for a company for that, then uh, yeah, I think I like tech and I like the possibilities of tech. And I think that's just the main thing. It's just having more choices and more freedom for me. If I was something like a, a farmer, I would feel like I'd be a little less limited in terms of choices. And I think that it's just, it's sort of like, with your mom like i don't want to be bored even though i can get bored of things i can do it because i know the alternative is just be even more bored so that's sort of how i look on the thing on the things uh, a very different thing like, i think me next year i would like to be working in either india like mumbai or maybe switzerland it's a bit of a difference i'd rather work in switzerland but i like the cold so, oh, I, no, I don't like the cold, but Switzerland has the money. <laughs> so you're going to take my route a little bit? <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, I mean, like, I was in Switzerland recently. Like, The water's good. People are uh, all right. Like, the Swiss are all right. They're not anything special. But, you know, I can live my classic Bollywood dreams of seeing all the Swiss sites. Oh, it's a small country. Can you do that on your vacation? Which is on your blog, by the way, hpkotetsu.com. <laughs> The plug, the not so subtle plug. <laughs> you did not tell me to put that in there, but I figured uh, might as well throw that in there near the end. No, but yeah, I think yeah, the, uh, I would like to be abroad for the next foreseeable future. So I think that's either going to be work wise or, you know, I don't know, shoddy.com, something like find someone. <laughs> big into banking it's really simple it can't be as bad as brexit britain <laughs> <laughs> well it's all gonna come soon in a little bit over a month october 31st uh, no no there, there's the, the laws passed that we're gonna have to ask for an extension oh whether oh, yeah. or not we get an extension is a different matter but let's not go into politics <laughs> <laughs> especially not at the end but yeah, so you think you're going to still work in a sort of uh, legal or political side of things, or you're not too sure just yet? Um, Switzerland, I would work in commodities. That's so like something that you did in Dubai. Yeah, so it's essentially all the big commodity firms, like 80% of 
all world food goes through this like the four major Swiss commodity firms, mm-hmm. and otherwise maybe in India I'd do private banking. You know, that's more Asian, isn't it? Private banking. <laughs> yeah. So no, gotta fit some stereotypes, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Plus, I think I think like again, street food. That's probably what I'd move back for. Oh yeah, and the food in Switzerland's amazing. Even for vegetarians, like there's cheese and chocolate. What more can you need? Vegetables. <laughs> Vegetables. Ah. There's cheese and chocolate. What more can you need? <laughs> All right. So uh, that'll wrap up today's episode. Um, I will be making social media for this specific podcast rather than just using my own personal Twitter and Reddit username of bballin773 uh, at gmail.com if you want to leave feedback and all that. And uh, yeah, leave feedback, leave suggestions, leave questions. Um, Eventually, uh, if we get enough questions, we'll do some sort of Q&A in the future. But I uh, hope you've been enjoying them so far. And uh, this will be Chai Noon signing off. See ya. See ya.